You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle, uh, for, for leading us. If you're new or a visitor here, uh, I just want to thank you for, for coming. Uh, we, we gather every week because Jesus has done something in our life that has changed it radically. And maybe you're here thinking you don't know why you're here, and, and you're, you're, you're wondering you know, why you're here. And, uh, uh, and might it be that God is doing something in your life as well? And we want to invite you to consider Jesus, the person who has turned our life upside down, who has brought the love of God into our lives so that we might be people of love in our city and across the world. We believe Jesus uh, took our sin and our shame and all of the things upon himself that we cannot carry in life. They're too heavy. And on the cross, he gave up his life so that we might receive the fullness of life in return. Freed from sin, freed from sin, freed from the burdens we can't carry. And he's reconciled us to God the Father. Jesus, his love, it changes everything, and he loves you. And so I'm thankful you're here this morning. Uh, I got uh, just uh, one announcement. Did I, my name's Keith. I'm not sure if I introduced myself for those of you who, who don't know me. Uh, and so uh, really great to, to be here uh, this morning uh, together as the church um, uh, wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, for some time, uh, actually ever since, I guess, late November, we have been searching for a, a permanent full-time worship pastor to join our team. Uh, and I want to give you a little update that we have uh, actually hired someone named Elliot Morris, uh, who will be joining our team, uh, not for a few months yet, but Elliot, uh, and I'll get into that in just a, mo- a moment, but Elliot was here leading worship a month ago. Uh, on February the 5th, so maybe some of you remember uh, him. Uh, and Elliot was here with his wife, Adriana, uh, and as we've gone through this process of discernment, both uh, him and, and Adriana, as well as us, our, our team, our, our search team, which included Danielle uh, and Laura and myself and Brendan McCaskill uh, and Travis Tun was on that team. We, as we've been praying and discerning, we, we really felt the Lord's invitation to invite Elliot to come and be our worship pastor, and he will also be doing young adults ministry here at the church. And so I know he's not here, but can we just thank the Lord for his provision? Yeah. And so I'm thankful Elliot is probably tuning in uh, online. Right now he is finishing up uh, his schooling uh, along with uh, his his wife, Adriana. They're finishing up their schooling in Three Hills, Alberta. And so that takes them through to the end of April. Uh, Then in May, they're away for a three-week study tour through the school in Israel. A little jealous, i got to say. Uh, and, uh, and so they're, they're, they're doing that, and then they've got to, to wrap up kind of life uh, in, in their respective places uh, and, and, and then move here to Kelowna. So they will be joining us uh, in mid-June, June 18th to be exact. Uh, and so we can be praying for this, this family that is joining our family. And I want to just take a, a moment uh, to thank Danielle as well, whom we love and care for. Let's give Danielle uh, a round of applause. Uh, Danielle has been serving as our worship pastor for the last while. Actually, I, I can't even put a date on it, but it's, uh, it's, it's been a while. Eight months? Nine months? A year? 
I, since June, so I lose all track of time, obviously. And so, uh, Danielle, you're a blessing to us. Danielle will continue to be our worship pastor uh, uh, until Elliot is in place, and she's part of our family, and so we love her, uh, and we're thankful for the way she's grown us uh, in worship. Yeah, yeah, bless you, Danielle. You're part of the family, and so we're thankful for that. All right. I'm not a big fan of waiting, personally. I don't, I don't like waiting. I, I don't know about you. I like express lanes. I like overnight delivery. I like the mobile app that I can use to skip the line at Starbucks. Are you with me? Can I get an amen? <laughs> My son, Luca, he, he, uh, he, he used some of his Christmas money a, a few weeks ago uh, to buy a game on Amazon. Uh, and he has been asking to check the delivery status twice a day for the last two weeks. He doesn't like waiting either. How about you? Waiting in traffic, waiting in the doctor's office, waiting for test results, waiting in the Costco lineup, waiting for your kids to put their shoes on so you can get out the door in the morning. (laughs) Waiting can feel like a waste of time. And, And I can prove it to you. Because if you think about the last time you pushed the elevator button and waited for it to come, And you stepped in and had to wait for it to go up to the second floor or something. What did you do? We pull out our phone. (laughs) We can't even wait that little bit of time. We we feel like we need to fill it with something, even that pocket. I want to turn your attention to the next parable that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40, because Jesus has something to say about waiting. So turn with me. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said, Be dressed and ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and eat, uh, come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes back in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, Hmm. Sometimes, Jesus, we go through the motions of being the people of faith. And we don't want to go through the motions. And so, living Word of God, Jesus, by your Spirit, we pray that you would speak through, through your living Word. And that as you speak, that your church would listen and that you would build us to be all that you've dreamed us to be. And so this morning, Jesus, we wait on you. 
on your direction, on your fulfillment of promise. We wait on all that you have for our lives. So speak, for your servants are listening. We pray. Amen. So the storyline here, it, it follows the actions of a household servant who is waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. And in the parable, Jesus, he, he's teaching us something about waiting. But it's not just kind of a, a regular kind of waiting that he has in mind. He's thinking of something specific. Namely, he has something to say about how we wait for his return. You see, this is our present situation that we're in currently. We actually share this unique time in history with some of the first disciples because we're living in this in-between time. We live in the time between Jesus' first and his second advent, his first and his second coming to earth. And so during the first advent, Jesus comes to establish God's everlasting kingdom upon the earth, right? It's a king and his kingdom that would set right all that is wrong in us and in our world. And so when John the Baptist, he, he, he asked Jesus the question, he says, are you the one that we, we've been waiting for? Are you the one that, that, that God has promised that we've been waiting for who is going to come and establish God's kingdom upon the earth? It's the question John the Baptist asks. And Jesus answers him, and he says, Look, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. The proof that God's restorative kingdom has come upon the earth are, are in all of these things that, that essentially are overturning the brokenness of humanity. Healings, deliverances, this, this great invitation to receive God's forgiveness and mercy, to be reconciled to the Father. This is the good news. Wherever Jesus went, there were these signs that his put-together kingdom had come upon the earth. Wherever Jesus went, human flourishing abounded. Relationships grew in unlikely places. Enemies became brothers. The poor and lonely were elevated to places of, of, of status and position amongst the family of, of God in Jesus' family. Wherever Jesus went, the signs of his put-together kingdom come upon the earth were there. It was because Jesus came to bring the kingdom. Yet, despite the kingdom that is already here, these things that we have experienced in our own lives, despite the kingdom being here, we know that the kingdom has not yet fully come. And how do we know that? We know it because we still suffer from sickness. We know it because evil and injustice still abounds in our world. Relationships are broken. Systems are broken. Sin and death remain. And so we wait in this in-between time for, for Jesus to return to make all things new. It's like the Apostle uh, Paul, he, he puts it in 1 Corinthians. He says, 
Now we know in part, but then we will know in fullness. We live in this in-between time, waiting for Jesus to return and complete His redemptive work. And what is it? It's to put a final end to evil and injustice and to bring reconciliation to relationships and systems. He's coming back to put the final nail in the coffin of death once and for all. He's coming back to heal mind and body and heart, never to be broken again. But one of the challenges that we face in this in-between time is, is that we don't like waiting. And I don't know about you, but we especially don't like waiting when, when we don't know how long we're going to be waiting for, right? I mean, we know that. If ever you spent any time in an emergency room, right, or, or if you spent any time in the, the ICBC office, You have no idea how long you're going to be in there for. (laughs) And the waiting feels like torture. We we don't like waiting, especially when we don't know how long we're going to wait. Yet, Jesus says, you don't know how long you're going to wait. Verse 40, the Son of Man will come at an hour when when you don't expect Him. We don't know. And the reality is, we'd rather do anything but wait. And it seems to me that the idea of waiting for Jesus to return has has really all but left the church. Do you agree? We rarely think about our Christian lives as, as a time of waiting, of waiting for something specific. But we should, because that is what Jesus is pointing us toward in our text. Uh, I was listening to the radio this week and uh, uh, on one of my drives into work, and in it there was a, a guy who was telling a story about a time that his parents uh, went away on a holiday. And the evening that they left for their holiday, he, this young man invited, he was a teenager, invited a number of his friends over for a party. Now, students, I don't recommend this, all right? Because his friends then invited some of their friends, and and some of their friends invited some of their other friends, and and you kind of get the idea, you know, the scene. (laughs) Well, little did this teenager know that that after a few hours of waiting at the airport, his parents' flights were canceled. And they made the trip home, and when they opened the door, they found themselves in the midst of a rager. (laughs) And things didn't go too well for the son after that. When we don't know when the master will return, the question becomes, how will the master find us when he finally arrives? That's the question that Jesus is asking. And when he does return, Jesus hopes to find us waiting faithfully. Faithfully waiting. What would that look like in your life? What would it look like to to be found waiting faithfully for Jesus to return? See, that's what I hope to focus your attention on today. I want to look at how how we can faithfully wait for for Jesus to return. Look at verse 35. Jesus says, Be dressed and ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. 
Jesus is highlighting two aspects from the very beginning here, two aspects of faithful waiting. And the first that I want to draw your attention to is the one that comes second. Jesus calls us to keep the lamps burning. In the parable, Jesus speaks uh, about this household servant who, who had the responsibility of keeping watch at the front door. Now, there wasn't electricity, right, in Jesus' day. You know that, right? <laughs> and so they, they had lamps, and, and a, a lamp would be put at the front door, at the entry to the courtyard. And, and it was one of the servant's responsibilities to, to keep uh, intruders out and to welcome the family or their guests in. And the call to keep the lamps burning is, is a call to, to wait with an attitude of anticipation. To wait with this expectation that, that there is a day that the master will return. And now, waiting with anticipation, it's, it's an attitude, it's, it's a posture, it's the way we wait. And, and waiting with anticipation, it's, it's not really like waiting for a bus, in some ways, we know when the bus is going to come, and, and, unless you live in Kelowna. <laughs> waiting with anticipation is like a pregnant woman waiting for her child to be born. It's like distant friends who, who are waiting to be reunited after a long season apart. Waiting with anticipation is like a young, engaged couple who are waiting to join their lives and bodies together. Jesus says, wait for me like that. You see, sometimes the way that we wait, the, the attitude, the posture that we wait with, it can grow an even greater longing for the very things we're waiting for, can't it? I mean, that's what an engagement does. It, it grows our, our longing, our anticipation of what is yet to come. It's what, what, what a pregnant woman experiences feeling this life inside of her, waiting for, for a child to be born. It's waiting with anticipation. And it grows our, our longing for the very thing that we're waiting for. But if we don't wait with anticipation then we, we have to wonder, what does that do to our desire for the very thing we're waiting for? If we don't expect or anticipate or, or long for it, are we missing something? I mean, could you imagine a child being born without any anticipation? It's still a beautiful thing, life, but maybe the person who's carrying the child misses something. Without anticipation, we might miss something that God wants to do in us and through us. And so, church, think about this. How might your, your day go differently tomorrow? You're thinking about getting up and going to the thing that you do on a Monday morning. How would your day go differently tomorrow if you woke up and you, you had a serious thought? And the thought was this. You said to yourself, you know what? Jesus might return this week. And with that serious thought, would you approach your day different? Would your interactions with, with the people that you meet, would it, would it change? Would they be different? Would you see your problems in a new light? Would your disposition change? Would the way you pray change? Would the things you pray for change? 
You see, when we don't live with anticipation, we can miss something important, something that God has for us. When, when I was a, a young pastor, I had the privilege of uh, baptizing a, a friend of mine. And I also had the responsibility of filling the baptism tank. And so I, I remember that day, I put the hose in the tank, I turned on the taps, I watched the water flow into it. And, and it was a long process, a slow process, I knew this. So, so I had planned to, to go into the basement of the church and practice uh, the sermon that I had to preach on Sunday. And so a little time went on, and I began practicing uh, uh, my, my sermon out loud, and I remember hearing the sound of rain in the background. <laughs> and now, I was a pastor in North Vancouver, and so that's a normal sound, to hear the sound of rain in the background. And so I continued to preach the sermon in the basement as I, as I practiced, and the sound of the rain got, got louder. And, and then I realized when I looked out the window that it was a really sunny day. And then the light went on. I'm pretty slow. I opened the door, and, and I saw that water was pouring all down the walls. There was a puddle about two inches deep across the whole lower auditorium. And so I ran up the stairs, and, and I saw water flowing over the tank. And so I turned off the taps, which is the right thing to do. But it was at that moment that I panicked. And I realized I would make a horrible person in an emergency room, because I'm not good under pressure because the water was still pouring over the tank, and the only thing I could think about is, I need to stop, I got to get the water out of this tank. And so I stripped down to my skivvies, jumped into the tank in order to pull the, the plug out to drain the tank, which sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Well, little did I know that my body weight displaces way more water, <laughs> as well as the, the, uh, the plug is on a chain that can be reached from outside of the tank. And after a moment, I, I collected myself and I gathered my things up and I walked dripping wet down the hall to my lead pastor's office to confess my inattention. <laughs> and sometimes we get bored of waiting. And if we don't anticipate the thing that we're waiting for, we can miss something important. And so Jesus says, keep your lamps burning. Anticipate my return. A faithful waiting, it anticipates, but it also acts. There's an action to our waiting. This is the second aspect of waiting that Jesus directs us to in verse 35. He says, be dressed and ready for service. Uh, the King James Version, uh, uh, the uh, translation is a way more interesting translation of this verse. It has Jesus saying these words. Jesus says, let your loins be girded about you. That's way more interesting, isn't it? Let your loins be girded about you. In, in Jesus' day, people wore robes, right? And, and robes would flow. So if you ever wanted to get any serious work done, you had to tie a belt around your waist to keep the robes in. You, you had to gird your loins in order to do any work. Faithful waiting isn't about sit, like sitting around waiting for a bus. Faithful waiting is an action. It girds up one's loins and it does something. Jesus says, be dressed and ready for service. Service. 
He doesn't tell us specifically what kind of service, but it doesn't take long, much imagination for us to consider what kind of service he's speaking about. He wants us to serve God and to serve others, particularly others who struggle, others who are in need. We wait faithfully by being servants of Jesus. We wait faithfully by acting like Jesus does. Right? Did you catch that in, in the parable? That when Jesus returns to find his faithful servants, what does Jesus do? Well, he girds his loins and he begins to serve us. Jesus, in effect, he, 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 he does what he's already done through the cross. He serves us. He gives his life for us. He pours himself out for us. Faithful waiting looks like Jesus. <laughs> Servants who follow Jesus. And this morning, I want to pique your imagination just a little bit. Because I, I want to give you four actions, four practical actions of, of what girding our loins, of, of what waiting for Jesus with a, an action looks like. Four things that we can do in order to wait faithfully. And now they're not the only four things. You can add your own four. But this is where the rubber hits the road. This is, this is where faithful waiting is, is grown in the dirt, in the soil, into something beautiful with these four things. First, as you wait for Christ's return, grow in the Lord. Hunger for more of God in your life. It's what we can do. It's the action we can take. Hunger for God. This was the focus of last week's parable, remember? Life. The Zoe life of God. The life that God has. The life that God is. The life He wants for us. This life doesn't come from filling the barn of your life with stuff or with self. But life comes from filling the barn of our lives with God, with Himself, with His Spirit. As we wait for Jesus, we can set about filling our lives with more of God through, through various actions, through reading His Word, through prayer, through confession and repentance, through worship, through Christian fellowship with others who are following Him and through serving those who are most in need. These are the spiritual rhythms that the church has done for thousands of years that, that fill us with God. These are like spiritual rhythms that, that I've, I've heard the analogy. Uh, all of these things, like reading scripture, prayer, confession, repentance, worship, all of these things, they're like this glass. <laughs> and then when we practice them, this glass, they become this vessel through which we can drink the living water of God. And without the glass that contains the living water of God, how is it put into the body? <laughs> and one of the things that we can do while we wait is to grow in the Lord, to commit ourselves to these things, to be hungry for more of Him. And if we're honest, sometimes we get tired of these spiritual rhythms, don't we? We grow tired and, and, and bored, and, and before long we give up on them altogether. But faithful waiting calls for action. When Jesus returns, he wants to find a faithful church who is hungry for more of him in their lives. 
A hungry church that that hasn't given up meeting together or serving together or lifting up His name together or on mission together. Those who wait faithfully are committed to growing in the Lord. And that's the first thing. Grow in the Lord. But second, as you wait for Christ's return, attend to the broken relationships in your own life. And I'm not speaking that to you. The Lord is speaking that to me. As we wait, we need to attend to the broken relationships in our lives. We would rather overlook this one because this is probably some of the hardest work that we do. But the gospel both compels and empowers us by the Holy Spirit to be peacemakers in our own broken relationships. As the Apostle Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. You see, it's easy to brush broken relationships to the side. It's easy to do it. We, we, we want to do it. But when Jesus returns, he, he doesn't intend to come and find us hiding from the people we dislike in the grocery aisle. Have you ever done that? <laughs> you see them coming the other way and you kind of dip in the other aisle. That's not how he wants to find us. And he doesn't want to come as, and find us harboring anger in our heart towards someone else. In the waiting, we can attend to these relationships and to seek to make right what has gone wrong as much as we can. And yes, so much is out of our hands in that, but as much as we can. Jesus said, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel church. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. It's what Jesus has come to do. When I was a younger, uh, uh, young, like I was probably about maybe 15, 14, 15 years old, I remember a man from our church coming for lunch at our home, uh, and, and, and I think his name was Adam. I, I can't fully remember what his name is, to be honest, but, but I do remember one thing about him. It was his character. Adam was one of the most thankful people I've ever met. He was honest and kind. There was a light to him that, that, that I didn't always see in other people. And I got to know Adam when my parents invited him to come and, and paint our, our house because he had a painting business, but, but he was having a lot of trouble uh, getting people to hire him, and, and he was having a hard time paying the bills and making the ends meet. And when I asked my parents why no one would hire him, they explained to me that Adam had cheated a bunch of people out of money, and he had burned a lot of bridges in our small little town. But then Adam had an encounter with Christ. The love of Jesus changed his life radically. And that love compelled him to begin working to pay back all the people he stole from. And he was in the midst of a process of going to each person, asking them for forgiveness and paying them back what he owed. Jesus does that. He gives us not only the desire, but He empowers us with His Holy Spirit to do that. 
That wasn't a work of Adam. It was a work of Christ in a man whose heart was open to the Savior. And as we wait for Jesus, we can follow Adam's lead. Not simply to make right the things that we've done wrong. We can do that, but, but, but we also need to attend to the hurt and the anger and the resentment that we feel. That we feel because of how we've been hurt, but also uh, how we feel uh, about those who have hurt us. And Jesus invites us to do that work. But as I said, it's not just he invites us, he promises us to give us his power, his presence, his grace, his love to walk that difficult journey of reconciliation. No work of God is ever done by us as individuals. Rather, it is done by God as we participate with him. Those who wait faithfully as far as they can attend to the broken relationships in their lives. So I want to call you to that church. That's the second thing. The third thing we can do to wait faithfully is, are you, are you ready for this? this? You're really going to like number three. The third that you're going to love this, okay? Am I building up the tension enough? The third thing that you can do while we faithfully wait is to work. You can get out of bed in the morning, you can put on your clothes, and you can go to work. As a barista, as a teacher, as a parent or grandparent, a physician, a gardener, a business person, you name it, we can get up and go to work. The Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, whatever it is, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Christ. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do. What you do when you get up in the morning, do it for the Lord. Sometimes, us as Christians, we don't have a big enough vision for our work. right? Our, our jobs, our, our work, the thing that we do, uh, we sometimes see it as this means to an end, right? an, an inconvenient necessity. And so we instruct our young people uh, to, to find something that you kind of like. You've got to at least like it because you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. <laughs> right? We see work as this kind of inconvenient necessity. But the truth of the matter is our work. No matter what that work is, when we do our work for the Lord, our work can be part of God's redemptive kingdom here on earth. And it echoes into the kingdom come. The scriptures teach us that. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Business people, you can run your businesses with kingdom values. And you can ensure that people are put before prophets. It's working for the Lord. It's God's redemptive kingdom taking shape in the system of your business. And physicians or gardeners, let's start there. You can grow a harvest that nourishes the bodies that God has entrusted to us. And through the things you grow, you can bring people together around the table or bring beauty to it. Physicians, you can help us step into the health and wholeness that, that, that we want to enjoy. These are both markers of flourishing in God's kingdom, health and wholeness. Parents, you bring order and instruction so that children can, can grow into Christ and follow His ways. 
teachers. You invite students to see, to see and know their yet undiscovered world, this world that, that God has made. And you get to challenge students to explore God's world further. And baristas, you have the most important job of all. You keep us awake to do it. And but in seriousness, baristas, there is kingdom value to your work if you do it for the Lord. No work is wasted when it's done to the glory of God. And our Christian vocation, our Christian calling, and I'm passionate about this, it is centered upon this great pronouncement that is captured by the prophet Habakkuk when he says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge and glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. It's this vision of, of, of what God is leading us into, a world that is filled with, with the knowledge of the glory of Himself. His glory, his story. And the question becomes, how does the earth get filled with the knowledge of God's glory? Well, there are many parts to it, but at its most basic level, the earth is filled with God's glory by people who are glorifying God through the work that they do day in and day out. A work that begins the moment you step out of bed, and a work that takes us into living rooms and classrooms, and office buildings, and the streets of our city, and sometimes it takes us across the world to unfamiliar people and places who have yet to know Christ. As we wait faithfully for Jesus to return, we can go to work and do it in keeping with the manner and character of the one we are waiting for. Those who wait faithfully work for the Lord. And finally, fourth, as we wait, as we wait, we can pray for our city and the peoples in it. This is what the prophet Jeremiah instructed the people of God to do as they waited in exile in Babylon. Maybe you remember the story. Jeremiah 29.7, it's a famous verse. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. As we wait for Jesus to return, we can be a blessing to this city and the various people groups who live here. People who, who don't yet know Jesus or, or don't yet know what God is like. We can pray. We can open our hearts and our lives to, to, to the people here. We can pray for our neighbors and we can pray for the Silk's First Nation. And we can pray for new immigrants who have come to this place trying to find a better life. And we can pray for our mayor and our council. And we can pray for our teachers and our health care workers. And we can pray for the workers who, who tend the plants and, and gather the harvest. And we can pray for, for our, our city's homeless and, and the people who serve them. We can pray that the Lord would bless all of these. And as we pray, we, we can open our hearts to, to the peoples within our city so that we might be a conduit of the gospel. Those who wait faithfully 
They pray for the city and the peoples in it. Or maybe the Lord's put a different city of the world on your heart. We pray for the city and the peoples in it. Church, which of these four things is Jesus inviting you into today? What step do you need to take in order to wait more faithfully? Those who wait faithfully grow in the Lord. They attend to broken relationships. They work for His glory. And they pray for the city and its peoples. Church, let's not waste our waiting. Be ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Let's pray. Jesus, not let, let us not lose sight of the one for whom we wait. Because we know that the anticipation and the action of waiting for you re- to return is, 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 is not about the things we do. It's about what we're waiting for. It's about who we're waiting for. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would stir in our hearts today as we respond to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that in the hearts and minds of your people here this morning, that you would stir among them one of these four. Maybe it's all of these four. But Jesus, by your Spirit, speak to our hearts. How do you want us to wait faithfully in this unique season of our life? Jesus, as your church, as, as, as we hear your voice speak to us, we say, we will be faithful. Having heard your word, we will be faithful. We will do it for your glory. Amen.